大家晚上好，这里是正在为您直播的。Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Hello, I'm Ruth Kirchner. Thanks for joining me for another episode in our special series of podcasts on China's core executive or top leadership. The series is part of our coverage of an international conference at Merics in June on leadership styles, structures, and processes under Xi Jinping. My guest today is Yeo Ji, professor of international relations at the University of Macau, and one of his particular research interests is China's military. Welcome, Professor Yeo Ji. We've heard a lot on how Xi has centralized power in China. Surely. The military is no exception. What has he done to assume a more central role in the People's Liberation Army? I think the current round of military reform it has tremendous challenges in ahead.、Uh, first of all,、uh, there is overhaul of the command structure,、uh, especially for the military central military commission. The political side of this reform is to enhance. The authority and the power of the chair of Central Military Commission that would give Xi Jinping as Commander in Chief more power and influence over the overall political process in China, including to give him more institutional leverage to go through complicated and challenging policy-making processes in the Politburo and in the Standing Committee of the Politburo. But what about、uh, within the military? If、um, his role as central commander is enhanced, does that also mean that he has the military firmly on his side? Not only his military families,、uh, he has a lot of personal friends back to his childhood years、uh, who have now taken very important commanding positions in the PLA.、Uh, for example, in the Central Military Commission, there is general called、uh, Zhang Youxia. Whose father was a comrade in arm with Xi Jinping's father during the war time. So these two people they got to know each other from the childhood, and there are a number of the、uh, Central Military Commission members whose、uh, friendship with Xi Jinping could be traced back to the days Xi Jinping led the province we call the Fujian Province. So these old Guanxi networks they. Now produce tremendous power leverage for Xi Jinping to run daily affairs of the military, and through that to influence the political process, to control political process as a whole. So he very much relies on Guanxi, on personal connections、uh, within the military.、Uh, but he has also changed the military command structure, hasn't he? Does that make the military, the the People's Liberation Army, more effective, more professional, maybe? At the moment,、uh, we do not know because the reform is still at early and initial stage.、Uh, we do have the concerns. Current reform in the PRA lacks experimental points, lacks、uh, we call the thorough debate and discussion and assessment, and it is basically carried in the big bang approach. Many of the new elements are. Put together in a hurry, then inevitably we have some negative consequences、uh, because you know, for example, there is a confusion over the division of labor between the war zone commanders who 
are taking we call the combat command and by service commanders who take care of daily service administration. Now the lines are not that clear, so this kind of confusion is quite prevalent at the moment. This is Merrick's experts. With me is Professor Yoji of the University of Macau. We are discussing the role of the military and military reform under Xi Jinping. Professor Yoji, away from the politics of military reform, where is Xi Jinping taking the PLA as a military force? As a military force, that is for the purpose of winning the next war. He shifted the PLA's historical mission of war preparation from his predecessor's emphasis on preparation to his emphasis on war. That is dramatic change. The dramatic change can be successful only when the PRA has we call the military capabilities to fulfill the requirement of winning the next war. So military capabilities are the top priority in Xi's mind to transform the Chinese military from the secondary military to the most modern, most powerful military in the world. So when you talk about moving the military from preparation of war under Hu Jintao to war, what does that actually mean? I mean, who is China's enemy and where would any potential conflicts erupt? China is in the process of, let me say, entering a period of confrontation, even in military terms, with a number of countries due to territorial disputes. And... uh, what is more serious for the PRA is American involvement into these territorial disputes, especially in the South China Sea. Now we see American military vessels and the aircraft enter the 12 nautical miles of those islands occupied by the Chinese. To the Chinese, uh, if they respond with similar military measures, it could trigger military standoff, even confrontation. Although both sides are trying very hard to avoid such outcome, accidental fare could be exchanged if the communication, if the management lose uh, its effectiveness. Therefore, the PRA is prepared for the worst-case scenario. In the East China Sea situation, for example, the Japanese government has promised to expel the Chinese warships entering the waters adjacent to the Sangaku Diaoyu Island. Uh, if the Japanese Coast Guard start to expel the Chinese Coast Guard ships in the Sangaku Diaoyu area, the Chinese will send the military vessels to escort these ships. Then the Japanese and American naval vessels will come in as well. So all these kind of worst-case scenarios, it could turn into reality uh, in a short period of time. So the PRA is preparing for these kind of worst-case scenarios through concrete war plans and exercises. And also by shifting the emphasis of professionalizing the military, right? Because under Xi Jinping, um, he has very clearly talked of China as a maritime power. So he is shifting the emphasis uh, very much to the maritime disputes that China has with some of its neighbors. That's right. I think the Chinese military has come to this conclusion probably for the first time in 500 years, China is safe from land invasion. Now, the future warfare would be in the maritime domains. Therefore, 
the Navy development has to be the priority. In the last few years, we see tremendous boost of naval power with tremendous amount of state investment in the area. It is unprecedented that in just、uh, probably five years' time, the Chinese naval fleets have been modernized.、Uh, let me say, five years ago, only twenty percent of Chinese warships、uh, were regarded modern. Now today,、uh, over seventy percent of the warships can be regarded as modern, up to the standard of NATO and、uh, the Japanese and the Korean levels. This huge boost of the naval power is embedded in this wartime preparation, in this we call the war game planning, enhancing the maritime capabilities. Is that also maybe part of、uh, Xi's plan of redefining China's external ambitions? It's part of it. That for sure, the Seventeenth Party Congress set the Chinese national goal on economic prosperous and.、Uh, Powerful military. Xi Jinping, after the 18th Party Congress, added one more item, which is great power status. And this great power status has to be built upon capable military strength, and we call power projection far beyond the Chinese borders. So these very ambitious goals of expanding into other continent or other oceans has been a major driver for China to. Build the navy and the air force and missile force as part of its long-term goal to threaten the enemies in their home territories、uh, as far as ten thousand kilometers away in North America. Well, threatening the North Americans—I mean—that raises eyebrows not only in Washington. How concerned then should the international community be about China as a rising military power? I have to clarify. This is largely under the concept of deterrence. The Chinese are building three mad,、uh, mutually assured destruction in terms of strategic nuclear exchange, mutually assured disruption in terms of cyber warfare and、uh, space warfare. The first one, from the Chinese perspective, without assured mad capability, China does not have deterrence with the United States, and.、Uh, Without the capability to technically disrupt the American space assets or cyberspace assets, American battlefield transparency against China will guarantee that the Chinese defeat in the real warfare. So these worst-case scenarios,、uh, as I mentioned earlier,、uh, drive the weapons development programs.、Uh, it is between China and the United States generally. Not between China and other countries. However,、uh, there has generated we call the flying geese arms build-up trend. The Chinese target the U- U.S. military power, which is a lot more superior. The Chinese want to narrow the gap. When China narrows the gap through adding more capabilities, the next、uh, tier of powers, such as Japan and India, would get worried. Then they will add more military capabilities to their arsenal. Beyond that tier, we may we may say Pakistan, the South Korea. So we see this kind of flying geese formation of regional arms build up. In some areas, is involving into arms race. However, you know, from the Chinese perspective, there are real threats to its territorial integrity. 
and Americans still enjoyed absolute or at least overwhelming military superiority against China, this gap has to be narrowed with tremendous human and financial inputs. So we see the balanced consideration here to protect the so-called core national interests with military capabilities. At the same time, to avoid war with the United States, especially, the Chinese know very, very clearly that no other factor could sink the so-called China's rise by a war. So war avoidance is currently Xi Jinping's guiding principle for foreign policy and military policy, although he is also insisting on protecting China's core national interests in the South China Sea and in the East China Sea. And uh, he's doing that with a lot of confidence and assertiveness. Professor Yoji, yeah. thanks for your analysis. That was Professor Yoji of the University of Macau. His essay, Military Reform, the Politics of PLA Reorganization under Xi Jinping, is published as part of the Merrick's Papers on China. You find the details on our website. And with that, thanks for listening. I'm Ruth Kirchner. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org.